go draft Todd Gurley and then get Roto Assurance. And yes, you'll be there fine. you go. That's, that, that's the handcuff that's you the need. Handcuff. That's the handcuff. See there, we brought it all home. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, Steve Bonham, joined as always by Mr. Neil Smith. Crazy weekend, Neil. A lot of news, a lot of stuff to get through. We're doing the NFC West. We're recapping everything. It was National Draft Day this past weekend. It's the biggest draft weekend of the year this weekend. It's it's insanity time this time of year. It's the busiest and most fun week of the fantasy football season for a lot of people who don't regularly go to the <laughs> This is it. This is when everybody's got that hope. They got that gleam. This is going to be your year. And if you're Sure, even enough, John Gruden thinks the Raiders will be good this year. Yeah, I mean, that's everybody's delusional this time of year. Well, my point is, if you're smart enough to listen to us, then your year won't end in week four. <laughs> Perfect. That is absolutely correct. So we're going to kick things off right away with the NFC West. There's a ton of news to get through. Of course, the retirement, the injury, everything. But we're going to start with the NFC West. Go a little bit backwards out of order for us. It's the Arizona Cardinals starting things off. Cliff Kingsbury, the new head coach, he, of course, was the head coach, exactly, at Texas Tech. Mommy! He is uh, the dashing young man who is uh, taking the internet by storm this summer. He will also be their offensive coordinator calling the plays. Vance Joseph, the former Broncos head coach, has come over to run the defense. They signed Charles Clay away from Buffalo, and rookie wide receiver Hakeem Butler earlier this week was put on IR. He has an avulsion fracture, which means he's got a tendon or ligament tear basically off the bone in one of his fingers. So he is done for the season. As a result, Michael Crabtree has signed a one-year deal for some wide receiver depth. Not like this. So we kick it matrix. off. You quote the Matrix. Not like this. We kick it off with Kyler Murray, the man that the – people are loving right now he's what baker mayfield should have been last season and i feel like this is kind of uh an overcorrection where last year everybody should have taken baker mayfield and passed and uh we kept harping on it all season through the waiver column all of a sudden bake finishes as a top 10 guy at the end of the year and now he's a top five guy going off the board as it is and now Kyler Murray, the number one pick this season, is going way too high as a result. People just see, oh, number one quarterback. He, he's got to be going off the board quickly here. But ADP has him going at QB 11, 105 overall. I've got him at QB 19. I'm super low. I also uh, have Kyler QB. Murray. Yeah, I've just, I'm not a believer in the the whole Kingsbury air raid translating to the NFL uh, from a from a that automatically means Kyler Murray is going to be successful uh, narrative that I see being purported all over the internet. I'm not I'm not buying what you're selling on that one. Well, I mean, it's for me, it's not just that; it's the fact that it's a different scenario, right? I f- this feels more like Josh Rosen than it does like Baker Mayfield, where it's a guy yeah. who in college was part of a spread offense that threw the ball a ton but made a lot of careless mistakes and was not extremely accurate. And when you come to the NFL, that's going to be an issue translating. That was the Rosen problem. That was the Josh Allen problem. And I think that's going to be a problem here for Kyler Murray. So with Allen, his feet saved him. Uh, With Rosen, he got replaced by Murray. So we'll see what happens here. 
I get the logic that they're going to be throwing a lot because they'll be behind a lot, but and he'll have some yeah. rushing floor. That's also the part of it too. I know for people, it, it just amazes me and... that again I have been one of the uh, one of the naysayers of the whole Josh Allen experience. But I'd rather have Josh Allen and his rushing floor than Kyler Murray, and I can't believe the hate on Lamar Jackson. That that is just ridiculous to me. I but. think people just remember that playoff game. <laughs> that's that's what I think a lot of that is. They just remember that they had to hide their quarterback in a playoff game, which is not a good look. But yeah, the hate's gone too far for sure on that rushing floor for from Lamar. That's that's going to be money in the bank. Running backs, of course, it's David Johnson. Uh, this is an interesting one for me personally. I don't know where you end up landing on this. The 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 holdouts at the top have kind of juggled this a little bit for everybody. Right now, David Johnson is going at running back number five, six overall in terms of ADP. We talked about David Johnson at the beginning of the offseason uh, being a top uh, 15 guy for us. Right now, for me, because of all the adjustments, he's ranked 11 overall. Still the number six running back behind Todd Gurley. Uh, where does he land in your ranks at this point? So I'm right there with you because he actually got slotted up. And by the time you're hearing this, uh, people listening to it, my rankings will be updated uh, through Fantasy Pros. And you'll see uh, I originally had him as RB7, but with Melvin Gordon having to get adjusted, he actually slots up to RB6, number 11 overall. He goes right back and he goes into the Melvin Gordon slot effectively. He just gets geared up one spot. So that's actually how that goes. And you know what? We kicked this whole thing off, and we talked about this being the biggest draft weekend of the year, and then, of course, this past weekend. Uh, I want to just take a, a chance here to, to shout out to our rankings team. Oh, Good yeah. job, all Absolutely. our new guys. Absolutely. Getting that our done. complete rankings team. Uh, I made the post earlier today on Twitter, if you did not already see it. Uh, Jack Cavanaugh, Jeremy Miller, Jordan McDonald, Todd Riley, Vishal Gupta, a great group of guys we got this season doing rankings for you all year long. So our complete consensus is available now on importantnonsense.com. And the uh, cheat sheet is up there too. So we've got our consensus cheat sheet available. So if you're going in your drafts this season, you've got the entire Important Nonsense ranks available to you. So thank you to those guys and be sure to keep up with them weekly throughout the season. So wide receivers... We've got Christian Kirk. You've got the old standby, Larry Fitzgerald, rookie Andy Isabella. Uh, I mentioned Crabtree just signed off the the street. You got Keyshawn Johnson, Chad Williams. I mean, it's a whole, like, throw a name in a hat. And Some of these guys are not going to make the roster or are going to play special teams. That's, that's what they're telling you. But they need a lot of receivers because of the nature of the offense. You know what I mean? So they're, they're probably so the guy that everybody's better. highest on is Christian Kirk the younger guy, uh, and then Larry Fitz right around the same area. Right now, ADP, Kirk is going at wide receiver 34, Fitzgerald at 38. I've got it flipped. Fitzgerald at 36 and Kirk at 40. And I actually have it right there at the same spot. I've got Kirk at 40 and I've got Fitzgerald at 36, but our ADPs differ. Uh, You're a little bit higher on receiver in general, so you're in the 70s with that, whereas I'm talking about the like 80, 80 region. Overall, yes. yes yeah, in overall. terms of overall ranking, overall. yes. Yes. But we're in and, line, and alignment on how we see the Cardinals shaking out as opposed to how the field does. Right. And, and the overall is basically, for me, I end up ranking the second tier of uh, tight ends and quarterbacks higher than most of consensus. 
And I also end up ranking uh, the wide receivers slightly higher because of the cliff for running yes. backs. Yep. Just after it falls off that cliff, I'd rather take a shot on like a fourth or fifth wide receiver with upside than one of these dumpster fire running backs that I, <laughs> I don't want any part of. So that's kind of how my overall ends up shaking out. Um, but again, I, it, Andy Isabella is a guy that uh, I'll talk about in a little bit. But, you know, he's he's interesting to me because he's like Christian Kirk last season where you can get basically for free at the end of drafts, and he's got the upside. He has the potential there. Uh, same thing like a Cortland Sutton from last year as well. Second half of the year is going to be big for them. He's a stash guy. He's not a guy that from week one is going to be able to, you know, produce big numbers for you, but certainly a name to note for down the line. He's being set up to succeed, so I will say that. And, you know, you hate to say it, but the injury to Hakeem Butler opens the yeah, door for him. It, it sure does. Yeah. No, cause so the two of them were really competing for that slot role to be the third guy. And with Butler out for the year, I mean, that just clears the path for him. And Keyshawn Johnson has looked terrible in the preseason. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I was super impressed by how he, like, ran out of bounds and forgot the rules of football. And he's done it, like, multiple times. He, he looks lost out there, frankly. It's not going to – doesn't look like it's going to pan out. Tight end, RSJ, Ricky Seals-Jones is still sticking around. Charles Clay, as I mentioned, being added in the offseason, and then Max Williams coming over from Baltimore. So um, Ricky Seals-Jones, highest-rated guy on the board. He's rated 32 in consensus. I've got him 32. He's going 38. I mean, it's nobody that you want to draft. It's None too of far this off the board. He's a guy that will be on waivers. It's not worth mentioning. Cardinals defense any... is terrible. So. Yeah. We can easily move on to what should be far and away the favorite within the division, the Los Angeles Rams. They signed Eric Weddle from the other team in L.A., and uh, they got Blake Bortles, so Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, you just know. I, I Look, I love Jared Goff this season, but I'm almost rooting for him to miss some time just because I want to see the Bortles experience happen out there. <laughs> uh, Watch them look like the old Rams. Yeah, the biggest uh, issue here, of course, with the Rams, the storyline all throughout the offseason has been Todd Gurley. Remember simpler times when running back issues were Todd Gurley being hurt? Remember that? I do remember uh, that. It wasn't that long uh, ago. It was only two seasons ago. That Pepperidge that was, Farm remembers. Yeah, I do remember that not trying to figure out if people are going to show up because they're not going to get paid. Yeah. So Todd Gurley, <laughs> the uh, the arthritis problem in his knee, slowed him down at the end of last season. It was a big hot topic this whole year, basically coming into this season and now the question of his workload, which we will get into here in a second. Jared Goff, kind of a, uh, a hot-button guy. He is rated 10, going QB 10. I've got him at QB 7. I mean, I love what that offense can do. I love the numbers that he's able to put up. He was a top five guy for a majority of last season until he missed a couple of games. So, yeah, Jared Goff is a guy that if I can get later in drafts, I'm all about. And that's funny because I, I just I'm not a huge Goff believer. He makes a lot of mistakes for me, <clears throat> a lot of turnovers, a lot of things. I'm not debating whether or not the offense moves. And uh, he himself, though, is just not somebody I'm particularly interested in. I think there's a lot of guys that are better than that. So I'm actually out on Jared Goff this year. And I completely understand why, but I think it's possible that that offense can succeed because he did miss some games, but he also looked bad through the back half of the season. Again, he started to kind of slow down. And I know 
injury snake bit them a little bit. But for me, it's just not something I'm really ever comfortable really hitching my hopes and dreams for my fantasy roster to. I think there's guys that are better than that. So I'm actually way out on him, and I've got him outside the top 15. Bit of a hot take by me, but there's a lot of guys. A lot of guys I like better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, running back, we'll get to. We don't need the drop. (laughs) Uh, Todd Gurley, as I mentioned, he's currently rated RB eleven, which is insanity to me. Uh, He's RB eight in ADP. I've got him at five, top seven overall. Again, look, we talked about this at the beginning of the ranks, at the beginning of the off season here. Look, Todd Gurley is a guy who is an elite running back, and everybody's worried about. Oh no, the touches. Oh, they brought in Daryl Henderson, and he's going to take away touches, and he's not going to see as much volume. Do the math. Todd Gurley has been so dominant at his position the last two seasons that if he had literally 60% of his workload, he would still be a number one running back. He'd still be a top 12 running back with 60% of his workload. So I don't care if they're taking touches away. He is a top 10 guy to me, for sure. Because I don't think they're going to limit him to 60%. What I've been doing my projection on and how I arrived, because I also have him at RB5, which is arthritic knee aside, I think you're getting 75% of Todd Gurley. And guess what? 75% of Todd Gurley is basically top five running back because the line's good, the offense is good, and when he's on the field, it makes all that Jared Goff stuff that Steve likes that he's ranking based on happen. (laughs) You got to respect Todd Gurley when he's out there. we, we've talked about this, too. I mean, this is basically the draft preview show for you guys. And always draft in tiers. You need to have tiers. You need to establish to make sure you're not reaching for players when you're looking at your big board on draft day. And I, I believe we have the exact same, like, tiers for the top half of running back, if I'm Just not about. mistaken. For running back, yes. Um, for running back, but yes. basically, RB1, the first tier there is uh, McCaffrey... Kamara, Elliott, and Barkley. And then after that, the second tier is David Johnson, Todd Gurley, and then a mix of a couple other guys. But for the most part, we've talked about this. When you look at like the projected points, really it's kind of Todd Gurley yeah. by himself in that we tier just, two. We discussed and it. And then it cuts it be, down to tier three with the next group of guys. Well, we discussed it because we were saying it would be asinine to have one player be his own tier of, of running back, but you could actually make the argument for it. The math actually right, just Because yeah, there's such a he, disparity in points between him and David Johnson, who's the next guy down. Yeah, he could be a tier all unto himself if you could actually project the 100% workload. And I, I know they're going to take some volume off of it. And my reaction to that was good. Protect your investment. The thing you just gave all that money to. You need Todd Gurley to play. Because yep. they don't respect you when C.J. Anderson's back there. The defenses don't. It's, cash, it homie. changes everything for how your season shakes out. I mean, great. Granted, C.J. Anderson was good because the line's good, but still. So really, that is the dovetails us into the next question, Steve. Who do you like? Who do you like as the backup? Who's so Daryl Henderson, get? the rookie, is the popular pick. He's currently rated RB39 because of the expected volume that he'll get. I've got him at 42. I'm slightly behind consensus and ADP. So I do believe that Daryl Henderson is a guy to consider. John Kelly, who we hyped up a lot last season, didn't get a fair run, I don't think. And then they brought in some new guys to replace him, which really isn't fair to him. Uh, I mean, look, 
I'm just saying, my Texans, they're looking for a running back. John Kelly doesn't make the team. Bring well, him on. He'd be, he'd be great because he'd work for what you could afford, basically, and also he'd be your between-the-tackles guy, so that would solve some of your problems. But we're, let's not get too far off topic. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just saying. Former Tennessee volunteer running backs have a history with the Texans that's pretty yes. stellar. Yes, so, they do. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, but a guy to keep your eye on is Malcolm Brown. And our own Jack Cavanaugh, who, uh, shout out to Jack, he's going to be doing our best ball this season. If you play on draft.com, he will be your guy on a weekly basis to check out. But Jack Cavanaugh was saying that he's been drafting Malcolm Brown in a lot of the 15th round, basically. The last round of the draft on draft.com because he's a flyer with upside. He's a PPR threat. The back half of last fantasy season, he was getting a lot of PPR run uh, when they had C.J. Anderson in there. So Malcolm Brown, certainly a guy to keep your eye on. I've got him at 72. I feel like I'm kind of low on him with that ranking. But, uh, you know, 66 is the current consensus rank. I would probably like to be closer to that. But there's just a couple of guys that I'd rather take a shot on. And, and I have the handcuffs a little bit higher in there as well. But uh, Malcolm Brown, certainly someone to, to keep an eye on here. No, 100%. I don't have him ranked at the moment, but he's actually getting added to my rankings by the time you'll hear this. And I've got him at uh, right at the top part. I've actually got him right at RB70. So it's mostly because I think the one you actually need to draft is Daryl Henderson. And Malcolm Brown is more of a guy that you just need to know the name not something you really have to draft. It's more something that's going to be available to you on the waiver wire. And it's just something to know. And unfortunately I think John Kelly ends up the odd man out, which is frustrating. And then we've got wide receivers, which is a collection of guys who are all extremely talented. Brandon cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper cup, and Josh Reynolds, who actually had a fairly good showing when a cup was out at the end of last season. So Brandon Cooks, top-rated guy in consensus. He's my top-rated guy as well. I'm high on the entire Rams offense. We've talked about this before. It's really a rarity to see this. I can't remember the last time there were three wide receivers from the same offense rated in the top 20. Might have been the Steelers, but don't quote me on that. I'd have to go do the research. That's, That's a tough one. That's really rare. Yeah, I, it's, it, like, very it's rare. a very rare scenario for that to happen because you have a guy like Woods who gets a lot of volume on the outside. You have Cup, who's your slot guy, who gets his own amount of volume, not to mention he gets the red zone targets because they don't utilize the tight end. And then you have Brandon Cooks, who's the deep threat and can put up the yardage. So uh, consensus has Cooks at 15, Woods at 16, and Cup at 20. I have them at 11, 13, and 15. I love the Rams offense this season. I've talked about that a couple of times now. So uh, high on all those guys. I think all of them are extremely interesting. What's funny is I'm at 14, 17, 19. And while I'm cooler on the Rams offense than you, I do note that I am just slightly higher than consensus by just a little bit, which is would explain why I keep ending up with Robert Woods in every mock I do. Yeah, I don't understand why... Uh, people aren't drafting Robert Woods as aggressively. The ADP is 17, so it's right on with consensus, but it feels like he's sliding in a lot of the mocks. Yeah, I think a lot of people are are, are really trying to, like, I see Cooper Cup going all over the place. That's that's a really polarizing one. I feel like that's probably a good uh, thought process, too, is the fact that when you're doing mocks out there, people are trying to see, like, oh, what's the best team I can get like, what's the sexiest pick I can make yeah, to make yeah. the best-looking team possible? 
And there's nothing sexy about what Robert Woods does. No, it, but there's a lot consistent. of points to it. There's yeah. a lot of points to he's it, though. Very so consistent. That's very helpful to So have. I think when you're trying to mock it out and make the absolute best, highest scoring team possible, you avoid Robert Woods. But when it comes draft day and this is the team that you are going to be stuck with the entire season – he is the guy that you're going to go with. Yeah. You're talking about like, what do I want also in my second wide receiver, which is like, do I want somebody who's going to be nice and consistent and going to get me something? Or am I more in the vein of somebody who likes to have a flashier type of dude? And I see to your point, a lot of people in the draft are like, no, I want the, I want the shiny guy who runs downfield with his arm up. And on draft day, I think a lot of people are like, man, Robert Woods, I'm I'm happy with my floor. (laughs) Cup is coming back from an ACL, so it's something to always keep in mind. Josh Reynolds, when he stepped in last year, was a decent back-end flex. So right now I've got him rated as 93, slightly higher than consensus. Certainly a guy that you could take a flyer on if you wanted to. There's just so many mouths to feed. The only way he gets on the field is an injury. But if something does happen, then definitely he shows up. That's why I have him at 106. It's not really somebody I'm looking to draft, but it's absolutely somebody whose name you need to remember from last year. Because if either one of these three guys gets hurt, anybody, he's going to slot in and he's going to have value. Neil, did you have Lamar Miller? Do you have any stakes with Andrew Luck? Well, they would have paid you back at Rotoshurance if you did. If you sign up with a Rotoshurance plan, it covers you if you lose one of your players for the season. That's right. With Rotoshurance, you can protect your fantasy football investments by purchasing a small one-time insurance coverage plan for one or multiple players on your team. So if you lose a key player for the year, Rotoshurance pays you your entry fee back. Injuries might ruin your player's season, but they don't have to ruin yours. Exclusive to our listeners, you can get covered by Rotoshurance for 20% off. All you have to do is go to rotoshurance.com, and when you purchase a plan, enter the promo code NONSENSE. That's promo code NONSENSE, N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E, to get 20% off your player coverage. Injuries can happen at any time, so don't delay. Head to rotoshurance.com and get covered today. All right, Neil, we got the Seahawks. The only real uh, news you of up? note you up? from the offseason was uh, Doug Baldwin had sports hernia surgery. He was immediately released and then retired after that. So... They lost. That was a real bummer, too. <laughs> yeah, they lost Doug quickly. Baldwin. That happened in like the span of four days. <laughs> they lose Doug Baldwin, had to replace him. They draft DK Metcalf, who slides to them in the draft. And now we'll see uh, We'll see what happens if he just slides directly into that role. We start with uh, the best fullback playing quarterback in the league, Russell Wilson. <laughs> he is rated QB8, going consensus QB8. Knowing my feelings on Russell Wilson, no one should be surprised I have him at QB 15. And I have him at QB 14. There's nobody better at running in tiny circles and throwing a huge bomb than Russell Wilson. I mean, when you look at the numbers, we've we talk, we've mentioned the PFF QB annual before. And when you look at those accuracy numbers, when you look at what he does well, what he does best, he does provide... Uh, yeah, like I said, the mobility, he does have the big arm. He can make some plays downfield. It's just, it's ugly. I just, oh, it's, yeah, it's always I ugly. I can't, yeah, to rely on him to consistently be a quarterback for you is Well, and we talked about nightmare. it. A we nightmare. talked about it before. It's the PFF annual. If you look at, the, at it year on year, the years the Seahawks win more often than not are the years where it's not Russell Wilson having to do it for them. They... <clears throat> realize that like yeah he's a good quarterback but he's not 
an elite quarterback, he can't necessarily carry you the whole way. Right. So that's why Just they don't run turn the ball, the ball so over. Much. Yeah, that's why they run the ball so much. And they don't disguise him anymore like they used to have to because he's better than that now. But that was kind of what it was in the beginning. They were like, oh, how good this guy's actually going to be. He's pretty good, but he's not. Well, and the big thing before, at the early part of his career, it was the rushing floor. Yeah, the rushing the floor bailed run, him out the, hard. He was basically Cam Newton. Yep. And now he doesn't do that anymore. They don't he, want he doesn't. He's had the leg injuries. Uh, Their offensive line is terrible. He just doesn't have that ability to do that anymore. So I'm all out on Russell Wilson. You go ahead and have fun with that. Let's move on to the running backs. Um, you got Rashad Penny, Chris Carson, Travis Homer, CJ Proceis, JD McKissick. Uh, the back end of that doesn't really matter. It's really Rashad Penny and Chris Carson. Penny is rated 17. He's going RB 21. I personally have Chris Carson at 22. So I'm slightly behind consensus and ADP, but I do like Chris Carson this season for uh, what he brings to the table. We were both last year all on the get Chris Carson because Absolutely. don't go after Rashad Penny. And boy, did that work out for us. I mean, we yeah. got a lot of things wrong last year, but that was that was, not that one, was one of the things we got right. So <laughs> that was not the things we were wrong about. Certainly no. pat ourselves on the back for that one. Yeah. And I, As I like for Chris- Penny... Go ahead. Well, let me let me just do Chris Carson real quick, and you started this with Penny, so just for the level set, we are just going to close Chris Carson here. I also have him at RB twenty two. I've got him a little bit higher on my overall, just a function of how I rank running back and how I again he's part of the part before you get to the cliff where you just don't want anybody. <laughs> so make sure you can grab him as one of the last uh, kind of you know trains out of the station as far as like reliable, going to have something. And uh, yeah, the only thing you ever wor- I ever worry about with Chris Carson is injury. So that's that's saying something. He's good in all phases of the game, and I think they're going to lean on him like extremely heavily again this year. So I like him a lot as an at RB22. And then we're, again, by consensus and ADP with Penny, uh, 35 for consensus, 36 for me. So we're right on it, basically. There's not a lot of uh, stuff to add. No, the guys. only thing I would say before we just pivot off it is, do you have any interest in owning them both? I see people doing no. that. So I, I not really for not me either. No. Not, I don't really view Penny as the handcuff because you have to draft him at like 108 overall or 91 overall, depending on where, what you're looking at. And it's one of those situations where that's too high for a handcuff for a guy who I don't really know what his workload's going to be. And that's not something that floats my boat. Tyler Lockett is the clear cut number one. Another guy that, you know, we were right on last year with Doug Baldwin missing time at the beginning of last season. We said make sure you're targeting Lockett later in drafts because he's a guy that can break out, and he absolutely did. He's currently rated 19, going at 20. I've got him at 23. He's a back-end wide receiver, too, for me. I'm a little bit lower than normal uh, consensus, but again, that's a, a function of being down on the Seahawks in general. Yeah, and I've got him at 26, and it's mostly because of just the volatility of him himself. Yes, he is very talented at getting open downfield, but there's also weeks where you got to factor in that he's going to get you a six, and you just got to kind of live with that. And so I really actually like him a lot more for standard than I do for PPR. But in terms of, I mean, I've got him at wide receiver 26, so it's not like I completely hate him. I, I just, I'm not really comfortable with him at 19. That's a little rich for me. The rookie that I mentioned, DK Metcalf, he's a guy I'm going to talk about a little bit later too. I mean, he's a guy I think is going way too low. Wide receiver 60 in the rankings. He's going 51 in ADP. I've got him at 48. I feel like he's going to slide right into that Doug Baldwin role. He's slightly bigger 
than Doug Baldwin. He, he's got better hands. He's got better versatility than Doug Baldwin did. If you give him that workload and that volume, he could find himself in a consistent wide receiver three or even two role this season. He can emerge as one of these breakout stars that you can snag later on in drafts. I do like that. I like him as an off-the-board guy, uh, for sure. The one thing is I've got him rated lower than the rookie, and you feel about that. But also, he's dinged up, which is worth mentioning here. He's already kind of beat up a little bit, but I did hear a report today uh, coming from the Seahawks saying that they're saying they're tentatively expecting him to be ready for week one, so he may have dodged a little bit of a bullet there. Uh, David Moore, Jaron Brown, the rest of these guys, uh, not really worth mentioning. I think they're too far down no. off the board. Really, those David are the two Moore guys. David Moore will you have want. a role. But, yes. Uh, he, look, yeah. at, look for David Moore as a name to know because he had relevance last year as a waiver wire guy when things start to get thin, and then he himself got hurt. But he did have a moment in the sun last year, so it's, it's a name to know, but it's not something I want to and grab. And more of that, too, is if something does happen to Metcalf. Or yeah, that, then, oh yeah, and absolutely. He be, and he gets a more permanent role because that's kind of what happened for him last season with Baldwin missing the year is uh, you had Lockett and then you needed somebody else and he was kind of just the other warm body there. I think Metcalf has easily pushed him out of that position and now it's just a matter of if one of those guys goes down, his role will expand and then yes, certainly he will be worth a waiver at at some point. After that, I think we can just go to tight end. I don't really have any interest in And tight end, I don't really have any interest in here either. Uh, Will Disley, Nick Vanette. I mean, yeah. No. Will Disley is a Will Disley's a waiver wire name again for this year because of his moment in time last year when he was lighting everyone up. even then, that was two games. And everybody just remembers the two games. Yeah, so so to me, I'm not drafting him, but it's absolutely a guy who if I see him on the waiver wire and it looks like he's going to have that same role, sure, I could – Maybe cut the last guy off my bench if I'm not happy with him and pick up Will Disley, but I'm not rostering Will Disley from a draft. No, it's not happening. Seahawks are far from the Legion of Boom, but they're extremely interesting to me. They're currently ADP 17, and I get everybody being scared off because of the Rams, but they're a team that plays the 49ers and the Cardinals four (laughs) times a year. So, I mean, I've got them at defense eight. So I feel uh, pretty decent about getting the Seahawks if I can get them at the back of the draft. Sure. I think everybody's uh, uh, unnerved by just kind of the rotating. <clears throat> it's not the same Seahawks defense anymore. You know what I mean? The Legion of Booms all torn down. It's a bunch of different things. Uh, I'm a little higher than the crowd, though. I have them at 15, so I don't necessarily hate it. I think they're going to be, for me, a uh, uh, a streaming defense target, though, more than something I necessarily want to draft. Because to your point... Oh, they play the 49ers and the Cardinals four times throughout the year. Yeah, exactly. And they remember they were second in the division behind the Rams, so they get the number two team in all the NFC divisions, and then they've got the easier schedule because of it. So as a result, I mean, I feel pretty decent about the Seahawks this year. Lastly, in the West, we've got the 49ers. They, uh, (laughs) uh, hilarious to me, but Tevin Coleman, goes from one situation with Devonta Freeman <laughs> to another situation with Jarek McKinnon and Matt Breida. He's like, how can I make this worse for my fantasy stock? Oh, I know. I'll go to a place with two running backs already. Run by run by Shanahan. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> is back. He is uh, fully cleared to play. And remember, he was a darling last preseason. People thinking he could end up as a top 10 guy and then got hurt week three of the season. Missed the rest of the year. Now he's rated consistently across the board at about QB 20. Yep, how the mighty have fallen. But running back, as we mentioned, 
It helped Tevin Coleman's stock that Jarek McKinnon has had a setback. It looked like he was probably heading towards the pup, if not the IR. And then he came back to practice on Tuesday and re-aggravated the injury. So it certainly appears like pup is in his future, if not the uh, the short-term IR, which I guess is technically just IR. It's now. just the IR now, and you just away, pick yeah. the designated to return. Yeah, you just get two choices now. That's how they simplified it. So with McKinnon being out for at least probably half the season, you've got Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida as the uh, two-headed monster in San Francisco. Tevin Coleman currently rated 28 by consensus, Breida 37. I've got Coleman a little bit higher at 24 and Breida at 44. We've seen Tevin Coleman in the past, what he's able to do, especially in the Shanahan offense and the numbers that he's able to put up. Given the workload, I think Tevin Coleman can, at least for the first half of the year, be an extremely valuable fantasy option. Yeah, and so I've actually been waiting to adjust my rankings uh, to see if Jarek McKinnon would get IR'd, and now that I did see the same news report you did, evidently, about him having a setback and re-aggravating it, so I think they, they're going to be super cautious with him, given what they're paying him, and they're just going to shut him down. So, well, temporarily, like you're saying. So I'm going to actually move uh, Tevin Coleman uh, up. I currently have him at 32, but he's probably going to move up to at least above 30 because he's going to get the majority. And then I've got Matt Breida at 53, and he's going to probably join you at 44 because Matt Breida is actually weirdly where he's being drafted at this point, down at like 44, and even at you know like 41. You're down in the, the hundreds overall at that point. Matt Breida kind of all of a sudden starts to become an interesting – name to remember where it's just kind of like you know what neither of these none of these guys with a picture of health and Brita was hurt every week last season and managed to suit up and put up numbers until he just finally couldn't give you any more <laughs> like last like two games of the season so how do you feel about about the idea of of Brita as a value pick kind of later uh yeah Brita I've got it 44 108 overall so I mean he's a guy that is extremely interesting to me later on in drafts especially you know after the cliff there with the clarity first half of the season he's going to have a a good role you've got uh, Kyle Juszczyk there who also is going to now be the third guy and with Breida's injury history and Coleman's injury history and and McKinnon's obvious injury history yes he could find himself on the field this season we saw Jeff Wilson last year have a role at some point so I mean, the anybody basically who suits up and stays on the field for San Francisco is going to have an opportunity. But, I mean, can they stay on the field is the question with literally really, all five of them. So that's, and it's, Well, it's uh, really a question with the 49ers across the board. It's because it, it applies to the wide receivers. It applies to Jimmy Garoppolo. It's, it's just one of those situations where they seem to be uh, one of those teams that kind of gets snake bit. You know what I mean? Well, speaking of that, we've got Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin. They're the highlights of this Modge Podge that is the wide receiver crew for the 49ers. Debo Samuel, the uh, rookie, got Jalen Hurd, Trent Taylor, Kendrick Bourne, Jordan Matthews, Richie James. Look, there's a lot of guys on this list. The the only ones really to note here are going to be Pettis, Goodwin, and Samuel. They're the ones to kind of keep your eye on. Pettis going at 41, currently in ADP and rank. I've got him at 34, and it's mostly because I talked about being in that division, how it's going to be tough for them. I think they're going to have to be passing the ball a lot. I think that he's the guy who's got the clearest path with Garoppolo to put up the numbers, and he's a talented guy who's got upside. 
I think he's being undervalued right now. I've got him at 68 overall, wide receiver 34. Okay. See, I like him where he's being drafted, and he's the one that I want. I want Pettis. He's the most polished of them. And frankly, while he's not, you know, Mr. Iron Man, he's probably the least injury concerned because I can't really give Debo Samuel an evaluation on that given I haven't really seen him play in the NFL yet. So Pettis is the one I want. I've got him right there at wide receiver 42, and I'm happy with him where I can get him. But, uh, my reason I'm not as high, by the way, as where you are, is I'm just really concerned about the health of this entire team at this point, because it's the same team as last year, and it's just everything about it kind of feels like it's being held together by Band-Aids. Everybody's questionable already again. It's just it doesn't seem like it's a healthy squad at this point. But Marquis Goodwin, I'm closer to ADP and consensus on that. Go. I've got him at 69. He's going 66. He's rated 63 in consensus, so... Uh, he was a darling last year going in the 30s, and now he's back in the 60s where I think he kind of should have been all along. Yep, and I've got him a little lower than that just because of his injury uh, concerns. I always grade people down, excuse me, players down for uh, for that type of thing. And with him, I don't— And then the I rookie Samuel is another guy to just note for yeah, later on in draft frankly or even off the waiver yeah. wire. Yeah. Roll it on. <laughs> George Kittle, we will just make mention of. He's in those top three tight ends. We don't have he's to go into how dominant he is. Niners defense are one of my shot calls this year. They have assembled a lot of talent on that offense, or I'm sorry, the defensive line. Also the secondary bolstered with Richard Sherman. They've got a lot of guys back there who can play and ball hawk. And I think they're going to be able to turn teams over. Even if they give up yardage and points, I think they're going to be able to turn teams over and that's going to give them a a good shot at being a uh, at least serviceable streaming defense at times this season. Now, to your point, they play the Cardinals twice this year. Bingo, bingo. All right, Neil, we're on to the news. On to Cincinnati. What rocked the internet? Andrew Luck retires at 29. As a result, uh, we kind of had to reassess everything with the Colts, as you delicately put it. Andrew Luck threw a Molotov cocktail into our rankings and just kind of blew everything up for us. So before we do this, I want to we're, we're going to pour one out for Andrew. Luck. We haven't done this in a while. We're going to pour one out for the uh, for one of the most goofy people to ever grace an NFL field. And I'm going to miss his book club and his hilarious Twitter account. And shame on all those people who booed him at the stadium that day, because that was just Bush League. Just complete Bush League. So just, yeah, pour one out for Andrew Luck, because I, I personally, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I personally am going to miss him like crazy, because he was one of my favorite reason, favorite players to watch on Sunday, and it's just kind of sad how the Colts just seem to not be able to like manage keeping people healthy, especially quarterbacks, but that's a topic for a different podcast on a different day. But, I mean, to be fair, the the, the entire reaction of the internet on Saturday was just, Oh my God! Why? That was it. <laughs> It was it. Hit the panic button. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Andrew Luck done. Jacoby Brissett, the new starter. He was the starter all through 2017 when Luck was hurt. Now, you have to take these numbers with a grain of salt because it was the Chuck Pagano offense. So it's entirely different system. The offensive line is significantly better. They've added more weapons. It's a whole new world for Jacoby Brissett, not to mention the fact it's his second year starting. However, that said, one of the highlights for Brissett is his mobility and also the fact that he doesn't take as many chances as Andrew Luck. He turns the ball over a lot less. But when you look at the drives from that season, in 2017 with Brissett at the helm, 
they turned the ball over on 23% of their drives. Now, Andrew Luck turned the ball over 25% of the drives last year. So either turn it on downs, fumbles, interceptions, what have you. Resulted in a touchdown. Andrew Luck, 28.6% of their drives resulted in a touchdown. 46% resulted in a punt or a field goal. Those are pretty solid numbers. Top 10 in the NFL. Brissett as quarterback, only 13.3% resulted in touchdowns. 65% of their drives were punts or field goals. And uh, by the way, the difference in field goals, seven. That's it. They only attempted seven more field goals. A majority of that was punts. They were three and out a lot with Jacoby Brissett at the helm. So take that for what it is. Also, the running backs, the targets, nearly 40 less running back targets from 2017 to 2018. The checkdowns for Andrew Luck, the tight ends, which I'll talk about a little bit as well. Just his ability to spread the ball around and check down helped a lot of the guys on this roster whereas Brissett was more waiting for something to develop, and you could say that that was a result of who they had. At the time, it was Frank Gore. They did have Marlon Mack, but it was mainly Frank Gore. And now they've got Mack and Hines and guys that'll go out and catch the ball, and they've got Reich as the uh, head coach instead of Pagano. So, again, you take all the numbers with a grain of salt because it's two years ago, it's a different offensive scheme, but it's certainly a downgrade. I've got Brissett at 23, for my quarterbacks, he's got upside. He's going to be an interesting DFS tournament guy on certain weeks because he's going to be no money, and he's yeah, going to be able to put up some points. So two QB leagues, I certainly am interested. As a flyer, I'm certainly interested just to see how – I mean, he's basically Josh Allen or uh, Lamar Jackson. He's got the rushing floor. It's can he produce through the air is going to be the big question for him. Absolutely, because I've got him at QB 24 and I've got him projected for about like 240 ish, you know, neighborhood kind of points type of deal. And the uh, the biggest the biggest thing is it's like such a huge downgrade from where I had Andrew Luck's point total at. But the rushing right. floor is going to bail you out. But I've got him at 24 because, again, in a, the back end of a two QB league. He's going to have some value. It's not like it went completely off a cliff and crashed and exploded, but. It is a downgrade. It's a significant downgrade having Jacoby Brissett back there over Andrew Luck. It's not, you know, Jamarcus Russell, but it's that's that's kind of that's kind of what it is. So yeah, you and I are in the same me, neighborhood. Yeah, like. Marlon Mack drops to running back twenty. Naheem Hines down to thirty four, which is close to where he was anyway. Like I said, that's kind of just a factor of we are doing all our stuff through PPR, and I took a significant amount of the targets and receptions away from these guys. Yes, and so I ended up having Mack at uh, RB21, and I ended up dropping Naheem Hines to uh, 39. And it's to your point before about the lack of passes to running backs. Uh, really, in my mind, kind of hurts Naheem Hines. And again, I acknowledge, got to take the numbers with a grain of salt, because if you look at where Naheem Hines is going, I've got him at like 39, and I'm still high on him. So I've got, I've got meat on that bone. <laughs> Because apparently the internet now hates Naheem Hines with this news. That was the immediate reaction. Well, they hated him anyway. So Yes, but now they really hate him. Now, now T.Y. Hilton was my wide receiver 11. He has now dropped to 20. Devin Funches, a guy who I had as like a flyer in the 40s, has now dropped to wide receiver 72, completely off the face of the earth. 
and then Kane, Rogers, Campbell, all guys that are untouchable. I don't want any part of. Yeah, and I ended up dropping Ty to wide receiver twenty. What a huge drop that was. Devin Funches slots in at wide receiver seventy, wide receiver seventy-seven, and Paris Campbell goes off the board to wide receiver eighty-eight, meaning he's not draftable. So that it really cratered the uh, the the once you know high hopes of this uh, receiving core. Sounds like you and I see it pretty much the same way. And I mean, the one that hurt was of course Jack Doyle, but <sighs> Jack Doyle I had at tight end seven. We were already high on Jack Doyle. He moved down a tier for me from tier two to tier three in tight end. What doesn't change is the fact that last season in that offense, yes, the quarterback is different. Yes, maybe the connection is different. What doesn't change is the snaps. The fact that he played more snaps than Eric Ebron when he was healthy. He saw more time on the field. There were more plays designed to get him the ball, and he had more targets than Eric Ebron when they were both on the field. None of that changes. The fact that it's Jacoby Brissett instead of Andrew Luck doesn't change the fact that Jack Doyle is the tight end that is going to get more run and have more opportunity to produce. So I have Doyle at 11, which is a drop, and I dropped Ebron down to, I believe, 26. So even further than I already had him off the board. Yeah, and that's it's entertaining. I've, I dropped Doyle to 14. Uh, tight end 14, but I still have him as uh, the higher point total in the projections. I got Jack Doyle at about 130 points down from about 145 where I had him before. And I dropped Ebron down to 21 uh, and he's a full 50 spots lower uh, in the overall. And it just, it really tanked what I believe is Ebron's value the most. So, cause at tight end 21 from where he was, that's a whole tier, but it drops you down into the tier of like, eh, maybe, you know what I mean? Tight end 21 is where you start getting into the, uh, uh, the gentleman, Mark, what's his name? Mark Andrews or the guy from uh, yeah. Baltimore. Mm-hmm. That's where you get into yep. that Mark area. Andrews. You start getting down there. So that's, that's where I have Ebron now. So Doyle's still the one you want, but I am just, I've tap, I'm slightly cooler on, on it than, uh, than you are. Whereas before we were like literally like lockstep with it. Lamar Miller was the other big news from Saturday immediately tore his ACL in that Dope. game. He is done for the season. With the Jadavian Clowney trade looming, there have been rumors that he would go to possibly Miami, and I have said all along they're trying to dump Kenyon Drake, and this may be their opportunity. First and foremost, they went out and got Duke Johnson. He was going to have a more significant role. Uh, We talked about it last week, how I had Duke Johnson in the 40s, and I had uh, Lamar Miller at 30. After this... It seems like Duke is going to be the all-around back for them. I actually have him at 29, about 20 points better than Lamar Miller because he's a better pass catcher, and we're talking PPR. And then uh, Dumaria Crockett is the guy who kind of does the leap for me, and I don't know if it's I'm just being crazy high on him or if something is going to happen or, or the adjustment hasn't happened across the board or what, but... I am significantly higher than everybody on Crockett, who I basically slotted into the Duke Johnson role. Somebody's going to spell Duke Johnson. He's not going to be a three-down back. He'll get workload, but he's not going to be a three-down back. It's it's impossible with this offensive line. You can't. Well, do it's, it. he'll get killed. Is to your point. I ended up with uh, Duke Johnson for me. More or less, took over the Lamar Miller role. Just the whole projection. It ended up being spooky how close he ended up being when I actually sat down and crunched it out. I've got him at RB twenty-nine. And his point total basically was about four to five points higher just based on what you're talking about. There's no way to me that you could ever expect Duke Johnson to do 
the full three down workload for 16 games plus playoffs behind that O-line and be deluded enough to expect that there's no way that he's going to be fine with that kind of workload. He's never had that kind of workload. We don't have any idea. Maybe he could do it, but I really doubt it. And so for me, it's Domeray Crockett or Domeray Crockett. And that's the one that I, that he's kind of flying up a little bit. He seems to be the one who's got, you know, in line to get the, uh, to get the, the between the tackles type of work, if you will. And because every, frankly, it's a bunch of guys. You know what I mean? That's what's so maddening about it. Until they do something, it literally is five guys and two of them are rookies. And Crockett just seems to be the one who has separated himself to this point. So he's probably the one I want. I've got him, I've got him adjusted up to like RB65. So he's the one that I'm kind of looking for, like 65, 67 kind of neighborhood. Uh, as far as drafting purposes, is my handcuff to Duke Johnson. But would it shock me if one of these other guys came on midway through the season at some point? Not really. Would it shock you? No. And they've been linked yeah. to Jay Ajayi, and I mentioned Kenyon Drake and possibly getting that trade. If they were to sign Ajayi this weekend or they were to make a trade to get Kenyon Drake, how does that affect your ranking of the other two guys? Well, it would not crock it down significantly, and Duke Johnson would probably go back to the projection I had him at before, prior to the uh, to the Lamar Miller injury. Um, so I'd probably pivot back to that, and then I would probably put Kenyon Drake... Oh, uh, he would have to go. If it was Kenyon Drake, he'd have to go down. He would have to go down. I have he's currently both. Uh, right now, I had Lamar Miller at thirty, and I had Duke Johnson at about forty-three. I was, in and I've got Crockett at forty-six and Duke Johnson at twenty-nine. So I bumped Johnson a little bit. If they were to acquire Jay Ajayi or Kenyon Drake, I would have either one of them basically around like thirty-six or thirty-seven, and Duke in about the same spot. I'd put them basically right next to each other. Because they're going to get a majority of the runs between the tackles. Duke is still going to get a majority of the pass catches, but he's also yeah. going to get run as just a standard ball carrier. So I, I feel like it's not going to be completely what it was before, where Lamar Miller was going to be the guy, and then Duke would come in as a third down back. But I think it's going to be closer to more of an even 50-50 timeshare, where if either one of those guys does come in, it'll be mid to late 30s for all involved and then speaking of 50 50 timeshare we got to move on melvin gordon zeke both holding out still we are both still under the mindset that zeke is going to sign at some point correct the cowboys just have to get it done if not obviously tony pollard is the guy you have to target later in drafts he's going to be the workhorse in dallas melvin gordon chargers beat reporter eric williams anticipates that if gordon were to hold out into the regular season, Eckler and Justin Jackson would actually see a 50-50 split in workload, which isn't overly surprising because that's kind of what happened last year when Gordon was hurt. Also, the same guy, Eric Williams, said he has a quote-unquote hunch that Melvin Gordon will be back for week one. So we'll see if that actually does transpire. I don't think he has any reason to do that. If he's this you know, gung-ho about getting his raise and sitting out otherwise he might as well just sit out at this point and do a Le'Veon Bell and wait till next year. But if he doesn't play, Eckler is a guy, obviously, that gets bumped. He is already valuable as a flex, even with Gordon on the field and getting the pass catches. But Justin Jackson is a guy that is certainly being undervalued right now, absolutely needs to be owned in all drafts. Oh, 100%. And that was part of my rankings update. Uh, I ended up <clears throat> making the adjustment. Melvin Gordon dropped my RB20 because that's where I believe that even if he doesn't play, you can uh, 
you, your team can survive that. Eckler goes up to RB28. Justin Jackson cracks the top 50 at RB49. And uh, Justin Jackson is the must-have guy if you're going the Melvin Gordon route. If you can get Eckler to value, go for it. But if you're going Gordon at, at RB20, you really want to wrap around at RB40 when you're down at RB49 level and try and get uh, make sure you get Justin Jackson on your team. Yeah, late round guys to mention. We talked about Justin Jackson right there. He's currently going 151 ADP, so certainly somebody that should be targeted. You should be grabbing uh, because he's going to get some kind of run one way or another. Obviously, you want handcuffs. The people that scoff at the idea of grabbing a handcuff, even if it's not for your own running back, just keep in mind that heading into last season, Philip Lindsay was nothing more than a handcuff. James Conner was nothing more than a handcuff. So they do yep. pay off. It does make sense. Darwin Thompson, obviously. Carlos Hyde is rumored to be on the bubble, may not even make the team. Shocker. Uh, so Thompson is certainly going to be at least the backup to Damian Williams, if not at some point take over that job. He has been extremely impressive. You, of course, have Frank Gore and Devin Singletary, both behind LaShawn McCoy, who is just aging and getting up there. Frank Gore is the ageless wonder. But, you know, at this point, he's going completely undrafted. He's a guy that is going to get some run, at least for the beginning of the season. Singletary, eventually, that's going to be his job. Mentioned Pollard, Ito Smith, of course, the handcuff in Atlanta. You've got Justice Hill in Baltimore behind Mark Ingram, who's never been the picture of health himself. Alexander Madison has looked impressive, the backup to Dalvin Cook. Geo is the one that blows my mind. Currently 210 <laughs> in ADP. And we talked about this when we talked about Cincinnati. The fact that when Joe Mixon missed time, Giovanni Bernard was a top 20 running back. Absolutely. He is a must-own handcuff if you are a Joe Mixon owner. And he is literally going undrafted. Yep. So if you own Joe Mixon, you can take him in the very last round and he'll still probably be there. So the idea that Gio is just not being drafted at all blows my mind. And then, of course, Malcolm Brown, who we mentioned earlier, and Jamal Williams in Green Bay. Neil, do you I have any uh, deep yeah, sleeper I quarterbacks? I think there's one more running back you may have glossed over there. Chase Edmonds is the— Chase uh, Edmonds, for sure, Chase yes. Chase Edmonds is going at, like, 235. If you're drafting David Johnson with your number one overall pick, like most of you will be— or, excuse me, not number one overall pick, first-round pick— uh, you have to have Chase Edmonds. He's too good. He's actually gotten enough work to where I we can we have enough sample to say that. Like Chase Edmonds can play. As far as deep sleeper quarterbacks, so when we talk keepers or a uh, deep sleeper, sorry, uh, it's beyond one twenty. So anything outside of like the tenth round, basically, we're looking at exactly. So anything beyond one twenty. So we touched on it uh, already, but one of the ones that is worth mentioning again is Brissett. Because nobody's going right. to want that. And so as a streaming QB, it's not really something I want to draft. But in a two uh, QB situation, it's absolutely something I'd be comfortable with. He will be rostered in that type of format for sure. Um, and then what's interesting is this really shouldn't qualify, frankly, but it does because he keeps falling. Philip Rivers is going outside of 120. And I'm sitting here just like dumbfounded by it. So... That's uh that shouldn't qualify. So you don't know if he qualifies as a deep sleeper, but I keep seeing him going at the end of drafts uh, and just about every format that I mock in, and people are kind of all this year. Yeah, so, and the guy we talked about a couple it. weeks ago, or I and I've been hyping up all preseason, which I just I don't understand the hate. 
Uh, again, this is another thing where people can't separate real football from fantasy football. It's Blake Mitchie Bortles football. syndrome. Blake Bortles. It's Mitch Trubisky. Mitchie football. Uh, I knew it. I knew you were going yeah. back as well. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. It's, uh, he's cor- currently going 149 overall, QB 19. I, I mean, I've got him as a top 10 guy right now after the Luck retirement. So Trubisky is a guy that absolutely should be coming off of boards and is just going undrafted as is. Uh, Dontrell Hilliard is another running back that I'm interested in. He is now the third down guy behind Nick Chubb. And with until Kareem Hunt comes back, he's the only other guy. So if something were to happen to Chubb, it's the Dontrell Hilliard show in that backfield. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, and it, the question is, how far up has Kalen Balage come up to is the other one. That's the one that I don't have a current ADP for in front of me, but it is a name. Oh, uh, yeah. Kalen Balage is inside the 120. Has he started moving up? Okay. Because yep. at one point, yep. he was low enough to where you could actually get him. But it seems like that's kind of correct itself. So, um, But, yeah, those are really the names that you really want to have on your radar uh, for that. Should we pivot to wide receiver? Yeah. Well, what wide receivers do you have? Uh, Trey Quinn is a name post hype guy from last year plays for the R's Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm very interested in him. He is the perfect guy for what they're going to try and have to do for uh, case Keenum. Uh, Think Edelman, but kind of smaller, but excellent route runner, great hands, super precise, kind of looks like Cooper cup out there a little bit, but maybe not quite that athletic, but uh, somebody I'm very interested in. And then the other one that I'll, I'll mention, because I know you've got a guy here, uh, golden Tate, the hate is gone. Way too far when I'm getting Golden Tate at past 150. Uh, he's going at 149. And in a lot of drafts, he's falling past that. I got Golden Tate in like the 12th and 13th round in some mocks I did last night. I mean, I get it. It's a bad team and he's, you know, going to take a suspension. But that seems that seems really, really, hate has gone too far, if you ask me on that. Uh, I mentioned DK Metcalf and Andy Isabella earlier, uh, both two rookies that are going to have interesting roles that you can stash for later. I think Metcalf is a guy, like I said, who who can blossom. He'll really emerge this season. Uh, I have also mentioned in the NFC North show, going back to the whole Trubitsky problem, both Anthony Miller and Taylor Gabriel are going way too low in drafts. They're they're both, uh, I mean, Miller right now is going at wide receiver 50, 134 overall. I don't understand the hate there. All he does is produce. And then a PPR monster is Taylor Gabriel. Uh, I'm 30 spots higher than ADP there. So both of those guys, good. Uh, Also, Dante Moncrief, he's the number two guy in Pittsburgh. That's a good one. Currently going outside the 120. Of course, my guy Kiki. I was going to say Kiki didn't get mentioned yet. Kiki's going at 155. uh, So that's. The deepest of deep sleepers is uh, Preston Williams. Oh, you beat me to it. Oh, you beat me to it. Oh, Preston uh, Williams, I love it. He has the talent and he has the ability, especially with the news that they're shopping Kenny Stills, that he could potentially be the number one receiver on the Dolphins. Yes, Take that for what it is, but yeah. This was going to be my Philip Lindsay for this year. Just the name that I leave you with that look up later and watch it happen. He is... He's 6'5", and the only reason that that guy didn't get a fair shot in the NFL draft is because he played his college football at Colorado State, a team that doesn't plays in the uh, Mountain West and doesn't really play anybody that good. But he's sub-4'5 speed. He's over 6'5", and in the preseason, he has just been lighting secondaries on fire. He's had an amazing camp. Uh, in one game, I watched him make two sideline catches and then just take a ball away from a safety in a corner uh, for the Falcons in double coverage. The man, The man is a monster, and... 
it's the Philip Lindsay thing. You know what I mean? Where people don't know who you are, but then the problem is he's got the opportunity. It's either be, it's just because the people around him aren't really that great. You know what I mean? He's gonna he's too good to not get on the field. Is my point. So deepest of deep sleepers is is Preston Williams, and uh, tight uh, end feels like an absolute crapshoot uh, as always. But yeah, that was uh, this almost feels great. unfair because it's it's technically true. But Delaney Walker is going yeah. at one twenty one right now. <laughs> he is my number six tight end. I've got him at fifty nine overall. I've got him at a top sixty player based on points and usage. And he, he's currently going outside the top or outside 120. So that's insanity to me. Uh, I also have Mark Andrews. You mentioned earlier the Baltimore yep. tight end. They love to throw to the tight end in that offense. He is going to be heavily involved. The wide receiving core is nothing to write home about there. So he's a guy that has upside if you're waiting on tight end sure. until later in drafts. Jason, Jason Wynn. And then, of course, we Old mentioned the, yeah, the ultimate and only I've ever heard of tight end handcuff, Dallas Godare. Yep, there it is. I mean, people are drafting him as just a uh, bench guy for whatever reason, but if anything were ever to happen to Ertz, Godare is instantly a top five tight end. So, the only other handcuff, by the way, that I can remember from tight end was uh, Vernon Davis. To Vernon Davis. Davis. That wasn't a draft, injury, but that wasn't, yeah. a, wasn't a draft. That was a pick him up off waivers type of deal. Right, so right. this is different because you're drafting them both. But uh, I mean, I'm also, you know, that's the tight end is such a weird one this year, man. You know what I mean? Like it, we've been right. talking about it all run up to preseason because you just have these these kind of. Names I'm just surprised just you didn't go off. with Dak. I'm surprised that wouldn't. I mean, oh, it's not. Well, you've got him top ten. Dak, He's going Dak, seventeen right Dak, now. Dak is the one that I probably should have led with, but yeah. But if you want to, if you want to go back through that, yeah, it's all predicated on Zeke playing. It's it's right. all my te- it's right. all my Cowboys ranking. Are, are predicated on Zeke being there. So that's kind of why I didn't necessarily roll with that because my my prediction for Dak, who I stand by, because I truly believe that if Zeke is there, that all the numbers for Dak will line up and Amari and everybody else. But the problem is, is that we didn't really have time to go through it, but there's a huge difference and it's been quantified at this point uh, uh, through percentages of when Zeke is on the field, the Cowboys look like this. And when Zeke is off the field, the Cowboys look like this with Dak and Omari's numbers are this and it's, it, it's not the same. So I, I don't just, I just don't believe in it that way with, if it's Tony Pollard, so that's kind of why I didn't really want to highlight it. But, uh, but yes, I am, I will stand by it. I am extremely high on Dak Prescott, assuming Zeke is playing because I firmly believe that he's just such a better operator when he can stand back there and just kind of survey the field. And if there's nothing there, throw it away or run around. But when he's being asked to carry the load and then there's no Zeke for the defense to respect, I'm not, I'm not as bullish on it, but I think he's an excellent quarterback when Zeke is on the field. Fair enough. Well, next week we've got week one, Neil. It is finally upon us. I can't us. believe it. I can't believe it. We're finally so, here. So uh, good luck to everybody this weekend who is drafting. Uh, yes. Go out, get your Roto insurance. All right. You got to get that Roto insurance. Make sure. Uh, again, promo code nonsense. You can follow us on Twitter at nonsense underscore Steve. If you're nonsense getting David Johnson, Neil. make sure you get Roto insurance. Like speaking as somebody who's got some experience in this area, make sure if you're taking David Johnson, you get Roto insurance. Yeah, go draft Todd Gurley and then get Roto insurance. Yes, there you go. That's Uh, that's the handcuff you need. Handcuff. That's the handcuff. See there, we brought it all home. There it is. Brought it full circle. So uh, good luck to everybody. We'll be back with a a ton more next week, previewing the first week of the season. And until then, just uh, keep up the nonsense. Have a week. Mm -hmm.
Music for the Important Nonsense Podcast is provided by Lee Rosevear, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.